Hello, 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 and welcome to this episode of the Imaginary Movie Podcast. Hey, podcast, we watch a movie and then we talk about it. Uh, my name's David, and we will continue to delve into the unasked for, unwanted, inexplicable origin stories for villains of childhood movies. <laughs> Inexplicable and asked for, but also quite compelling, I would say. Uh, my name's Sam, and nothing says a heartwarming Disney movie like skinning a bunch of dogs. <laughs> um, so this week, in case I haven't already guessed it, we watched the 2021 film. We've been quite a, quite a modern uh, tilt lately. The 2021 film, uh, Cruella. Uh, which aired or well was released by Disney um, and is is now on Disney Plus. Mm, it was released uh, on Disney Plus. The mouse Plus. owns everything. You better be fucking giving the mouse all of your money. Disney pay us. It was released on Disney Plus and in theaters. I think this is one of the COVID um, <laughs> refugees of movies who just don't don't have anywhere to live, and so they they put it on on Disney Premiere. We had to pay twenty pounds to watch it. We didn't do Don't that. We waited until it we was free. We didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and then we watched it on but there. But the turnaround's quite fast. What I do like, actually, is that with Disney having its own streaming service, because like, Black Widow just came out for free as well, and yeah. that only was only released three months ago. Yeah. So it's actually quite a quick turnaround to be able to watch a movie that was released theatrically. Yeah, and I've got to, I've got to kind of own up to some shit talking here. Where I'm, I've for years, I don't like the cinema. Don't like having to leave my house to watch a film. It seems incredibly arbitrary in the modern world. However, <laughs> there's not been a film that I've gone, mm, actually, I will shell out the £20, which I would spend anyway to take me and my wife. He to said cinema. several times that he would rather do 100% that, do. and then has proceeded to not do it. Exactly. But to be fair, there hasn't really been a film that I've been like clamouring to see You know, for my once or twice a year. I would challenge to you cinema. to say... A film that you would go and see. The only film I could think that you really want to go and see, Sam, was Star Wars Episode Seven. Star Wars, and that I've was been... because they hadn't made a Star Wars film in over ten years. Well, I saw all the Star Wars films. I also saw Dunkirk, so that's maybe a film. Me and Joe went to the cinema to watch. Dad that. movies, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nostalgia Star Wars and War. WW Two. <laughs> <laughs> I really am a fucking cliche. Is what is what we're saying. <laughs> So we watched we watched Corella and uh, this was a film I was I kind of heard you know clamoring about and people saying oh it's really interesting and it was one that my wife wanted to watch as well so we we sat down and we watched it and I think up until the literally the credits rolled I was not sure what to expect like all the way through the film I don't think I've ever approached such a re- recent movie with. Not even low expectations, but just no expectations. Just no idea. I don't. Ha- There's no stakes in this for me. This isn't going to ruin my childhood watching <laughs> yes. of One Hundred One Dalmatians. I was like, I'm kind of intrigued. On I'm not invested like. in the lore. And for it's probably once. rubbish, but like, all right, I'm here for it. I'm just watching a film and kind of like, actually, that's maybe the best way to approach any movie because yeah. you know this. Let me this movie pleasantly surprised. Hmm. Mm. Well, that's the thing, and as we're going through it, I just, I just didn't know where they were going to go. I didn't, I, from minute one, I did not expect, uh, I, I, I was not um, thinking about what's kind of what's coming next. So when when we talk about a, a prequel to One Hundred and One Dalmatians, basically, 
Although, let's get into the kind of connection to the films a little bit. Well, it's it's not even that, Sam. It's an origin story for the the woman who skin wanted to skin all those dogs. <laughs> skin all those see dogs. See my chest, see my chest, see my chest. Made of <laughs> real <laughs> gorilla <laughs> vest. But... God, we've listened to that. Uh, my loafers made of gophers. It was hot as good I can literally sing the words for that and um, memorize. So I, I just don't know what what I was expecting. And actually, as you say, this was pretty entertaining. But it's one of those weird ones where you're like, as you say, who was asking for this? Like, where where did this come from? Where's the creative spark that gave us? Well, um, this I have a theory. Th- th- this film. I have a theory, Sam, that the Disney execs sat down and said, right, we're only making 14 Marvel properties this year, so obviously we need to have more films. What can, what well can we possibly go back to? <laughs> like, what what property have we not squeezed to a rotting pulp? And someone was like, oh, how much in one Dimensions was quite popular. We haven't made one of those in a long time. And someone went, bang on, great, we'll do that. Um, which character in one Dalmatians should we do? Um, I don't know. What about that mad woman who smokes and wants to kill all those dogs? Yeah, she sounds like a she sounds like a protagonist that the audience would really be, be behind. It's so fucking stupid. Yeah, it shouldn't work, but it does. Other other Disney films that we've seen, we've seen Maleficent, which starred Angelina Jolie. We've Very weird movie. Very weird movie. Like not bad necessarily, but just weird. Just weird imagery. Everything's a bit odd. Um, but the the idea of like of the Disney villain being resurrected in a in a more positive way, I think is an interesting uh, take. So we 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 have seen Disney kind of go down this line. This has got quite an early history though. It's from 2013, I think that it was announced that, that this was in development. And oh, um, yesteryear. Yeah, which which you know we that we we haven't really seen uh, 101 be in in the public consciousness since the mid 90s and then obviously in the in the late when's 50s. the animated film from is it 56? i think it's 57 isn't it i think maybe 67 uh, it's crazy as a kid you don't realize that the stuff we were watching was 40 years old when we were yeah. kids it's mad yeah so sorry 56 is the book and 161 is the film um and then 96 for the for the Glenn Close um, adaptations, which I remember being quite funny. 101, I quite enjoyed. Maybe rewatching it as an adult would be less so. 102, well, probably not as good. Skip it. You know, it. <laughs> just because of the, just the title puts me off just entirely. But, but like entertaining films, entertaining films with a very, very well written bad guy, which comes from the books as well. Like this, this evil character who is. You know, all of that is brilliant. Just skin your fucking dogs. Just skin your dogs. Like, that's maybe not. He doesn't dog, scare you. No evil thing will. Like it's just a great. It's a great villain. I think she's probably one of the one of the better. One of maybe even the best Disney villains, and um, that really sticks out as being just properly like the bit in the in the in the animated film when she's driving along, her eyes going mental. Like she's just she just wants to kill these dogs. She wants to kill them, <laughs> and it's. Do you know what it is, Sam? It's such a mundane evil. It's not like it's not like a Bond villain where she wants to blow up the world or something. She just wants to murder. She's just all these a fashion dogs. designer who so wants it's, fur. 
Exactly, exactly. Which is kind of like a... The stakes are really low. The stakes in these in the Dalmatians movie is a really, really not low, obviously, but like <laughs> yeah. Unless you don't care about dogs, being, you're like well, fuck them. <laughs> governments are not being toppled. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, no yes, one's saving the 100, world. A hundred dogs being skinned is is a bad thing, but like ultimately nobody died apart from all the dogs. Nobody died. You know, like the stakes could be higher. David um, Newell, Inhuman Monster. <laughs> Inhuman Monster. But that's what I'm saying is that it kind of makes Cruella de Vil like that much more evil a person, I think. And like, so it's interesting and it's an interesting choice to have then um, us have like a Herbie, the protagonist of this movie. I don't know if you've read me a plot summary yet, Sam. Oh, no, I haven't. Sorry, we've skipped ahead. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Terrible IMDb. A live action prequel feature film. Following a young Cruella Deville. <laughs> I think we fucking covered that. Thanks, thanks, movie database. You cunts. <laughs> That's terrible. Uh, I mean, we'll talk about the plot as we go. But so, so yeah. So here we are. Then we've we've kind of set up this film. We've 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 delved into some of the backstory, which we'll get into a little bit more as we go. So the next step from making a Disney movie, Sam, is to cast loads of Americans to play these British and British <laughs> roles. Who? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not that, by the way, let's talk about the cast now. Not that I think Emma Stone does a bad job in this at all, and I think it helps that Cruella Deville is kind of like a or was a very much over the top like cartoonish villain. So it makes Emma Stone's over the top cartoonish accent a little bit more palpable. But like, part of me is also like, could you not just like hire a British actress? <laughs> I know you're an American production. The answer is no. <laughs> I actually, I think Emma Stone is brilliant this now again we've we've got you know we've got this um we've got this performance from emma stone and then in 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 history we've got doddy uh, doddy smith's uh and no, that's the author of the film betty lou gerson <laughs> the author of the, of the book betty lou Gers, uh, gerson um who played uh, in, in the sixty-one film, and then of course Glenn Close, who was who was excellent as um, that character in in the in the nineties movie, and so it's quite a big role. Like it's quite a big role to take on, and especially when you're drilling it down and making it much more about the origin, much more specific, and actually requiring you know requiring there to be a bit of a um a dual level. She's got to play. Um, Corella Deville, and also the 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 kind of alter <coughs> ego, isn't it? Which is um, is it Estella, Estelle? I think, isn't it? Estelle, yeah, Estella, Estella, yeah. And I think she does a really great job in this. I think she is so engaging, she's so interesting, and she's not just when she's playing Corella as well. She's interesting in herself, and you know she's she's wearing the red hair. She's got the red hair, and she's she's a bit more. She's less confident than than. Um, Cruella and I find I find her and even the voiceover I think is a little bit overwrought but I think it generally like it does enough probably to justify its existence so they're a little you know just about um yeah it's um so maybe an outline of the I guess the the why we have a voiceover and maybe bits we don't do and don't like in this movie um and we can maybe talk about the other cast members as we get introduced to them perhaps yeah yeah, because uh, there are a few like big hitters out there, and, and certainly some other guys worth talking about as well. So we have the um, everything comes back to Goodfellas. 
We have, ever since I can remember, I want it to be a mad woman who wants to kill a bunch of dogs. You need to watch another movie. <laughs> Every day, Goodfellas. First 20 minutes Every of Goodfellas. Day, Goodfellas and whatever movie we're doing that week, just in tandem, and then you really will be on my level in terms of like how you approach a movie. Where's Joe Pesci getting here? <laughs> Why is that Bahamas still alive? Um, so you kind of have this voiceover of like, you know, ever, and it, I, I say that because I think she might even say like, ever since I can remember, I've always been different or like, yeah, something like that, yeah. You know, yeah. and she does say the ever since I can remember. Yeah, I went down to the cab stand and I got a job. And at first, my pet. Anyway, I'm not just going to quite the introduction of Goodfellas. Welcome to our Goodfellas podcast. We can probably assemble that from previous archive foot archive. Um, <laughs> um, but we get kind of this like. Uh, and the big thing in this, obviously, is that it's this artistic choice in the, I presume, the book where Corella Deville has like black and white hair. Um, where in this movie, and this is maybe one of the stupider aspects is uh, the the Estelle slash Corella character has like one half of her hair is white, yeah. and did, one half of it is black. Did her mom dye that, or what's going on? What's going on? Well, it's on? like a. Know. People can have white patches in otherwise dark hair. It's a pigmentation thing. Lots of people have it, but never one half of your head. And I know people, especially like, I knew people in my 20s who have like one lock of white hair, which I think is kind of where the idea comes from. Um, But they obviously decided to go like full, like fifth element villain in this movie. Um, (laughs) So there's that thing. So she has black and white hair and she's a bit of a, a bit of a nightmare, you know? She's at the school beating up people and she's different, isn't she? She she is. She's she's different. And I think that you know, as an introduction to your movie though, again, going back to you've never watched this before, you don't know what's coming. The way that they the way that they set up this character as being um as 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 being as being someone different, as being someone who is who has their own kind of way of thinking about things. I think it works really, really well, actually. I think this is a stronger part of the movie because when you're talking about the origin story, you kind of need to go to where where does their where does their motivation come from? And I think the latter parts of the movie struggle with that a little bit when, when they're trying to connect it to the other films. It's kind of like, okay, you don't really see that. But in this bit, though, you understand her and you understand why she is driven in the way that she is. She goes through school. It all kind of comes back to like, how would you deal with a problem, isn't it? And yeah, her way of dealing with a problem is to punch someone or steal a bunch of dogs to murder them and make a coat. It's yeah. Kind of like one lead, one leads into the other. There's a gap in between there, which, which <laughs> but, but this, but this opening bit where, where we, we see her in, in the school and, um, then we get into this very weird party thing, you know, this masquerade ball. Now, is it just me, or do masquerade balls freak you the fuck out? Like, I just find these things terrifying. I feel like it, it very much feels like uh, the French Revolution happened and we should no longer have these massively opulent <laughs> masquerade balls. We, um, didn't, also, didn't we chop all like, these guys' heads off? I feel like when you invite a bunch of rich, corrupt people in masks to your house... They're gonna steal shit or have sex all over the place, mm. like all of them. Like you're either gonna have you're no house bill. left, or there's a full scale orgy going. And if you're going for full scale orgy, I guess go for it. Um, but personally, if I got an invitation to a masquerade ball, I'd be like, 
is this a sex thing? Like, <laughs> yeah, like always sunny in Philadelphia episode. I remember that. <laughs> exactly. Like, is this what's the a password? Sex thing? Or like, like a like a Freemason thing, or is it a racist thing? Basically, if you're wearing a mask, like there's a KKK thing, you know. Yeah. Why are you all wearing masks? <laughs> Why are we all trying to hide our identities? Like, not my kind of scene, really. Like, let's let's keep everything above board. I want to be yeah. able to see everyone's face. Shaking hands. Are, like, know? hello there. My name's David. I work, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not a sex offender or a racist. <laughs> as you can tell by the fact that I'm not wearing a mask. As it says so on my badge right here. On my chest. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so it is it is freaky, and then she, so Corella's going into this party though. Now this is this is the first like you know movies movies settle you in, they bed you in, and then they ask you to make um, they, they they ask you to believe a leap, you know, the suspension of disbelief. This is, and this is the first point in the film where I think they're like, okay, here it comes. Are you ready? And then these dogs bound this the mother off a cliff. <laughs> Now, talking about things I was not expecting to happen, number one right here, after she gets kicked out of school, they end up at this party where the mother's talking to someone that we're not really sure who yet, and then these three Dalmatians, evil Dalmatians, interestingly. If you ask me, they deserve to be killed and made into a coat. <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> God, the dog people are going to be after me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the mother gets killed straight away we get to see the kind of like instant reaction to that now i wonder what you think about that because i was kind of like i was invested in it in the moment it's maybe afterwards i'm thinking that's what that's a bit weird but i think it just about works i think it does i think it's like a good two-step of i'm glad we didn't get the orphanage thing i'm glad we didn't have the oliver twist of it all because I've seen too much yes. of it. Like Harry yes. Potter's kind of like between Oliver Twist and Harry Potter. I don't want any more orphan kids like having a horrible time <laughs> of it. I've just seen too much of it. All right, trope. Fucking exactly. And with good like Mr. Tom, and just no more orphan kids. All right, <laughs> oh, I just God. can't cope with the. You've really wakened something in me with that movie, Sam. <laughs> the trauma. I mentioned um, that on on our WhatsApp like several days ago, and and it just keeps coming back in my head. Just Google, just if so... you haven't heard of Goodnight Mrs. Tom Listener, Google that and welcome to our trauma. And we'll, and we'll, we'll this will be discussed in a future episode, I promise. We will, but maybe not a Goodnight Mrs. Tom episode. Maybe we'll just do a it's dead episode. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm glad that we had the mother and it's like a, it's a good thing to us to, for us to call back to and it's a good call to action for later in the movie as well. I think it's a really excellent plot device. But at the same time, you're making a light, not light, but you're making a fun movie about this woman who as far as we know grows up to murder want to murder a bunch of dogs um we'll keep mentioning that because i think this movie forgets it a lot it totally does um, and basically you don't want to have a dead mother like spoiling the stew basically you know so i think they number one they need to like have this first segment be mum light like she's in it but she's more just kind of like oh she's this lovely and then they need to kill her fast it needs to be shocking, and then you need to get past it. And, and I think actually, check, check, a, check. From a filmmaking point of view, it's absolutely the tropiest trope ever. Trope. She's on a cliff at a mansion house with a bunch of people wearing masks. Again, don't fucking go near small passenger jets, any kind of boat, or mansion houses on cliffs 
with full of people wearing masks. I'm sorry, yeah. just you're gonna be murdered. <laughs> You've no business being there. Um, <laughs> it's gonna happen. So she gets, she gets, fall, it, she falls off this cliff and like she's dead. And then we kind of have the like, that's the end of the child segment, basically, yeah. isn't it? Well, almost. It did, I, I think it really, and especially, especially when it comes, you know, to the and obviously spoilers for this movie. When it comes to later on, and we discover that uh, the Baroness is 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 in, in fact really uh, Corella's mother, it really works because we get to see that the the you know the mom, the stepmom, or the adopted mom, how you know how how I describe it is like we don't really get to see a lot of her. We get to see her as 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 it's kind of there, but not really. And I think that works because later on we get to see there's actually a connection with with the. Um, and it also so... it explains that scene, which they don't explain at the time. When you first watch the movie, these are things that are just happening. You don't know quite know why they're there. You don't know who Mark Strong is. We haven't mentioned he's in this scene. You don't know who the Baroness is, and like so, none of it really kind of makes loads of sense. But you don't dwell on it because you're like, right, we're past it. We're doing another yeah. thing now. Um, and that's good filmmaking, isn't it? We should point that out. The fact that you weren't, <laughs> you the can fact... have your issues with why this movie was made, but it was made well. It really was, and it, and the fact that, that that you weren't asking those questions now, my again, my next to my wife watching this, she is like fucking some kind of genius when it comes to telling what's going to happen in a movie. Every single time, she's like, "Well, oh, he's a killer. That's it." From the first minute, and I'm like, "Who's he? I don't even know what his name is. I'm completely useless at it." So, Maybe it's and your capacity for paying attention or remembering possibly. character names. But even in contrast like... to my stupidity, she is excellent. <laughs> she, she's excellent. And and um, and I don't think that she was even asking that question at that point to say, like, what, where's that connection? What's happening there? It didn't really come up, obviously, until later on. But there are a couple of reveals that, that she didn't get. She she kind of guessed that and it wasn't quite right. You know, didn't manage to quite get it. So it's, it's, it's really clever in that sense. And I think the film is... The film is doing enough smoke and mirrors for you to not really notice that, which I think is a cl- is clever filmmaking. It really it's also is. at a point in the movie where like not all the pieces have become clear, and it's a lot of movies do this, especially with the the voiceover and, and the beginning is like like a hard reset. Like we've shown you this, but now all of the cast are going to have grown up, and we've got new actors doing new things, and like it's a different kind of movie, and it it's good if you can make that first segment like short enough to not be half the movie but long enough that you actually get to develop some characters and i think yeah. this actually toes that line pretty perfectly yeah good pacing um, good pacing so, so then men- estella well, runs well, away because you mentioned oliver twist but we do get an oliver twist but this actually we Please, get sir, can i have some more stolen money yeah, they, they, they do meet these kids who who live in this uh I mean, it's the like. What is it? The it's the six. It's the seventies. So there are. It's like the late fifties, <laughs> and they live in this. I think it's the sixties. I think 60s, it's like when they. I think the film takes place in the six in the late sixties. So it's, it's probably yeah, like late sixties, seventies, early sixties when this is happening. So so it's so when they're kids, yeah. So they're all living in this like Oliver Twist street urchin thing, and then we transport. To you them. mean this really spacious loft? with a lift that somehow works that's two thousand pounds a month is what that is if they could in london sam that's about eight grand a month yeah so then they go into this we we fast forward 10 years and we've got um 
Estella living with these two grifters, who I did not realise was was um, Horace and Jasper until like probably I'm about surprised forty by that minutes after they were on screen. I, <laughs> I did not that get was it. At really all. clear. <laughs> one of them is tall and thin, and one of them is fat. It's like your typical. Again, let's not let's not underplay my total lack of awareness of what's happening on screen half the time it's not until like minutes minutes after the movie's finished i'm like oh i get it now i get it yeah we should mention at this juncture that these um jasper and horace are played by joel fry plays jasper uh and paul walter hauser plays uh horace and i will say i think they're both turning in very different performances but both very good um i think joel fry uh, as as Jasper is kind of like really quite serious and w- the more believable human being, probably the most believable human being in this entire movie in terms of like the way that he reacts to things that are happening around yeah. him. Whereas Horace yeah. is a cartoon character, but like in the best possible way. And it's kind of like the film, the hundred and one film, isn't it? The, the the animated film because it's it's there there are a bit more like that he's a bit the, the fat one is more stupid is kind of how the film presents it isn't it i do love 100 years of cinema have taught us that the fat henchman is stupid <laughs> yes thank you Walt Disney i i i do just love um uh what's his name I've just forgotten it Joel Fry's performance as Jasper now the thing that actually the thing that actually got me to realize that, oh my god that's from the film is the way that Joel, Joel Fry was jutting out his bottom jaw. Now, if you go back and what and we watched 101 Dimensions relatively recently, with my son, and if you go back and watch the, the the animation, he's got this jaw that just sticks out at the bottom, this real like underbite, and um, and Joel Fry is doing an amazing job with some physical acting to really like just embody this character. And to make the connection in his performance with an animated character, I think is total genius. And I, maybe I didn't notice it quite as much with Jasper, but I think uh, was it Jasper? Horace. Horace. Excuse me. Um, Paul. He is atrocious audience. I have to put up with this. Apologise. It's late. <clears throat> God damn it. Uh, I think it's. A, I think it's just great. I love. I love the. And actually, they are. They do both do have really central role in the movie as well. I think they really anchor it down and they give Emma Stone a lot to play off and a lot to kind of work with in terms of her. Um, uh, they are your developing her typical characters. street urchin slash grifter family, which we get. It's the trope. One of the tropes I hate the most, in fact, of all movies. It's like con artists, but they're all they love each other. They would never lie to each hearts other. Hearts of gold. Like, they have hearts gold. of gold. They only rob from people who aren't them. Like, aren't they to be lauded and just you, know, you mean just like everyone else who steals in real yeah, life? They, they, they're all drug addicts who would sell each other for you know drugs. Half, half yeah drugs <laughs> yeah <laughs> for drugs. Um, one drug, please. But, <laughs> I'll have one drug, please. You can tell Sam and I have here. We've walked the streets. We're both <laughs> urchins. We, you know, we know Fagin. We're, we're in the gang. Um, so yeah, we meet them, and it's kind of like a. I do kind of like the scenes of them robbing places. It's kind of fun uh, because it's, I don't want to say realistic because it's not, but it's it's kind of that low level like thievery that's like rapscallion-y. It's very Oliver Twist of like, I'm going to send my army of thieves out to steal stuff. 
um, you know, they rob, they get caught robbing hotel rooms, for instance, and they're just kind of letting themselves in and stealing stuff. It's it's super fun, fun isn't fun it? Fun little montage. And it, and again, it's one of those things that you're not really expecting that. I'm not really expecting to have this level of fun. And this is where maybe some of the filmmaking comes in, in that I think a lot of the way that it's shot is really innovative. Like there's there's interesting interesting camera angles, and there's lots of use of um, great costume. The costume in this is you know the production design is by by far the best best thing about this movie it's wonderful and it's so interesting to look at and i spend the whole film just kind of like wow just in awe of what we were seeing what we were being presented and so when we get scenes like this where all montages little scenelets where we have um you know the the are stealing from from the hotel we as have say. a we have a lovely um single shot uh of someone walking through the through a building with a camera which I always love. Yeah, yeah, um, right. Really. Except clever. this one isn't in Goodfellas. Just to mention Goodfellas a <laughs> second time. Goodfellas, there it is. Check, drink, check, check, check. Um, so, so all of all of this is is like it adds to the to the the the, the kind of tapestry that's being painted, doesn't it, by this film? And I think it's one of those ones again. You don't know what's expecting, and all the way through the film, it kind of keeps you on your toe on on your toes in terms of not really having a sense of what's coming up next. And I think the production design. And the cinematography really gives you that. It, it, it kind of makes it otherworldly, do you not think? It makes it feel like it's... It you- gives the movie a a very distinct style, um, which we talk about a lot. Not every movie has it. Like Three Men and a Baby did not have a distinct visual style, you know. But... A film like Goodfellas, a film like um, I mean, name a Scorsese, name a film that isn't a Scorsese film. That is this, um, please, Casino. Casino. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> The Departed. Oh no, no. Um, but you know, like it, it has a very distinctive, like you know, like a Kubrick film. Like it has a very distinctive style based on obviously the production, but also like the fact that they are filming it in quite a competent way like obviously the people in charge of storyboarding this and the people in charge of the the grips doing the camera work and the directors like everybody is kind of like firing on all cylinders to make this like you mentioned sam when you watched this that this is a movie lovers movie like this isn't a 101 dalmatian which i which was dead on by the way very well done you're right that is very Um, insightful (laughs) (laughs) fuck you you're bigger (laughs) than that um but like this isn't a movie this isn't like a you know, a movie even specifically for fans of the One Hundred and One Dimensions, like the people who made this, they were making like not quite an artsy movie because, like, this is a prequel to a '60s film made by Disney for purely commercial reasons. But like, this is a movie movie. You know, this is kind of like evoke certain things in you with the score and with the the cinematography and with the production design. Um, you know, beyond just being like a you know, like it, one of these Marvel films that, that, you know, they may as well all be the same movie with, you know, different um, torso-fitting outfits, you know? Mm. Whereas this mm-hmm. is certainly striving for something different than that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think it's... And there's there's a bit of pageantry involved in the actual things the characters are doing, which I think helps loads, especially later on. Uh-huh. uh-huh. The, um, the original... The script was originally... Written by, I'm just looking up if we could just find it, Aileen Broche McKenna, who writing credits include 
The Devil Wears Prada. Now, that is a film that I actually, because, again, my film genius knows no bounds, I did think, this is just like The, the Devil Wears Prada. Like, I, I had that thought as I was as we were getting in, not just because it's about fashion, that's probably why I thought of it, to be honest. But there's, like... Dresses. Dresses <laughs> like that. <laughs> because you're a fucking caveman, yeah. <laughs> my brain made. But but really, though, there's the Devil Wears Prada, great great movie actually um that's well worth watching and uh, there's it. i think i've seen bits of it yeah it's, it's really wife, fun so it's I'm really fun to sit through fashion and movies mostly there's uh the the glenn the um meryl street character in that is very corrupted the villain anyway but also there's that feel that kind of real like sharpness and the, the real sharpness of the writing the scenes are all or every scene feels like a set piece in itself and that's kind of what this film is really going for. Uh, and then I think th- there was some development. I think maybe she didn't. She wrote the initial uh, version, and then I think maybe I think Jez Butterworth, who who kind of rewrote it a little bit and and, and worked on it. He's done loads. He's done uh, Spectre, Edge of Tomorrow, and um, some other some other films as well, which which. Uh, uh, where was the one? I can't. Well, it doesn't matter anyway. <laughs> but so so basically, what what I'm getting to is that I think that the genius of this film, maybe that's a strong word, but the the, the impressiveness of this film, <laughs> best film since Citizen Kane, Jordan, <laughs> 2021. It is the it is the script though, isn't it? It is, it is the writing. It is the concept of the movie applied to the script, and then actually, when you get into the scene by scene action, the production value is 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 great, and everything is is. Everyone is firing on all cylinders and that stuff. But you kind of need this story to be really strong and you need the concept of the movie to work. And as we get into the kind of next part of the movie, really the main part, the heist bit, that works great. But boy almighty, did you need the stuff beforehand? You needed that there. Otherwise, you would just be thinking, "What the fuck am I watching?" You need the origin story. You need you need the need the setting. You need the, yes. the framework there, and it's like to explain why these characters are doing the things that they are doing because they aren't ever presented as being in any way greedy, which again is kind of like one of these like tropes. Oh, we're thieves, but we're okay. We only steal to survive. We don't steal because stealing's easier than getting a job, even though that's totally why we do it. Um, <laughs> but like it's. These, you know, they're they're all like decent-ish people, and and the the kind of crux it swings upon is that Cruella wants to, Estella, we should say, wants to be a fashion designer. Unfortunately, she's a street urchin and a woman. Street rat. Yeah, and it's the nineteen sixties, so um, on your bike, love. And um, so we kind of have to get to that point, which is you know fun, and we get like loads more funny shots for scrubbing floors and stuff. Um, which I guess would be part of the setup, if you'd agree. Um, yeah. And then she gets offered the job by the Baroness. I don't think we ever get another name for the Baroness, which is the Emma Thompson character mm. um, in this movie. And um, Emma Thompson is is a delight, and I think adds to any movie she's in. I um, just I think she might be my favorite, um, one of my favorite actors, maybe my top three. <laughs> Favorite actors of all time, certainly my favorite actress, Gillian uh, Anderson. Well, she's number two, uh, or she's <laughs> she's in that. But honestly, I, she is she is just 
she's just brilliant because as much as as much as Emma Stone, she has, is playing Cruella Deville, and that's kind of like, yes, yes, her, yes. Her script read, her script read the Baroness read Cruella Deville from Hundred One. No, what it read is your character. It said you're more mental than Cruella Deville. She went, got it, boom. I know. Cruella Deville wants to murder a hundred dogs. You want to personally skin a thousand dogs. <laughs> Yeah. That's how we're scaling it now. That's how we've. And your on. children and your children's children. Like she's. Well, just... she, she is. She is so calculatingly unhinged. And I think. I think I, I struggle to think of another actor that you could bring on board, another actress you bring on board who would be able to. Um, to, 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 to sell this character because as you, you're going against um, Corella Deville. One of the greatest villains of at least Disney history, you know, if yep. not if cinema history, and she's got to outdo her. She's got to outdo her, even in the moments when we actually get to see Corella versus the Baroness. She's got to be more evil. She's got to be more calculating and colder as well. And this is the bit that I love about her. And you've got to believe. <laughs> talking about puppy murder, you've got to believe that this character gave birth to a child and was like, kill it. Because she's gonna surpass, you know. She, that she's gonna is a super- scene in this Disney movie. <laughs> oh, take that baby outside and kill it! It's fucking mad. She doesn't even say that. She says, "Take care of it." She doesn't even say the, yeah. the gay word. Yeah, like it's, but it's it so works. It so works. And 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 this is where I think you know Emma Thompson has this ability to to connect with the character that she is. Um, playing and then bring something to the table, which I she think is, is what intimidating. Into in in the confines of the movie, she's a megalomaniac to start with, sociopath. Um, but she is a very controlling, very glamorous, um, very confident individual, and you can kind of see why a in the confines of this movie, a shy kind of like shrinking character like Estella would maybe be drawn into her orbit which is then by when she discovers what she just she discovers that this woman killed her mother um not not long after she meets her really like but until that point you can kind of see why this character would be drawn into this woman's orbit like on a totally one-sided thing and look up to her as the person who is everything you that you dream of being but is also like a fucking nutcase um and all of that is sold by Emma Thompson who like again, I think he's doing a very, a very self-aware performance of like, you know, disregarding everyone around her, even when it's a scene between her and Estella, and there's no one else in the room. Like she's still very like, oh, you want a person? Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's 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 just great, isn't she? She's just really, really brilliant. And I think, I think when and then when you see the kind of cast around her, I, it. it it really makes sense, and I think I think this is the, I think she's the missing piece from this puzzle. That everything clicks when we see her as a character and we see her as an antagonist, because then we get to see the drive of Corella. We get to see why Corella is the way that she is, and especially when we get to see the reveal of her being, the, you know, her mother, which is skipping ahead a little bit, but I think it's probably the most interesting kind of plot point in the film. Of, oh my god, she's my mom! Like she's actually. The real big bad. She's the bigger, bigger bad than. Well, it's than... the key to making 
a pre uh, an origin story about a villain. Uh, the Joker movie, which I know you haven't seen. In the Joker movie, um, the thing more evil than the Joker is society, which is obviously a bit more broad. But like, you need to humanize your villain. You need to have a worse villain in your movie. It's the same when you bring back an evil character who you want to like fold into, you know, being a good guy. Like, you need to create someone who's more heinous. And like, this is, you know, Cruella's evil in in the Hundred One Dalmatians. But like, this is like Cruella, um, Cruella two point Like, she's much, much, much worse. Um, which again, like it's all sort of explained to you in a, I think fairly efficient way. Um, I will say it's sometimes there are a few too many scenes of like, oh my god, this woman's evil, and like we, we get it, we get she's evil. We just saw her murder somebody. Yeah, yeah. Forged in the fires of Mount Doom. Yeah. <laughs> Nine rings to the elf lords. <laughs> Dwarf lords. God damn it! Where's Joe? <laughs> Nine rings to the fashion lords. There we go. That'll do. Nine dogs to you. Oh, there we go. That's the joke. Multiple dogs. Um, <laughs> so can we can we can we talk here about can the we music? About... We can, if you like, yeah, yeah. In this, because I think the music is such an integral part of this film, isn't it? And I think it adds so much to the to the character. In the same way, we talked about Guardians of the Galaxy before. Um, and, and in fact, Baby Driver, previous episode, which we we went into the kind of music of as well, because it's like it's a great use of of adding soundtrack so, the tracks that that manage to evoke like, an era. Yeah, like evoke exactly, and 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 to really anchor film in a way that I think it works really really well. I love the um, I love the soundtrack in this, and I think that the whole. The whole score kind of it it really serves it serves the purpose of the movie. So we get the doors in there, we get Super Tramp, we get the Clash, we get all of these other like um no, no Beatles though. Even Disney can't afford to license. Yeah, yes, I know. Not even, not even, not even a shitty Beatles song. They went. <laughs> Like we 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 get all of this in there. I think the adds... shade the shade of John Lennon will come and rip your soul out. <laughs> That's what a Beatles song costs these and, days. Yeah, and and you'll pay the price for it. And so all all of these things really add up. To, all of these songs really add up to I think making such a, a important part of the film that makes yeah, it adds so... cohesiveness to a movie. I think yeah, like a decent soundtrack. It's like a common thread, it isn't is, it? It is easier. It is easier and it is cheaper. Well, I assume cheaper to use pop songs like this to maybe illustrate an era. Uh, I know you probably don't think you've seen it, but Atomic Blonde is another movie that does this. That's um, about uh, 1990s Berlin, um, and they use loads of like really 80s electro sort of... Anyway, um, again, like using songs to illustrate an era. I'm sure that's cheaper and easier than hiring um, John Williams to like create an original score. And it's hard to argue which one does a better job in some ways. And obviously it depends on the movie, but for this movie it's hard to imagine a, a traditional original score doing the lifting that this this, this pop score is doing. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, th- there is an original score that goes along with it, but it's certainly not in the same... Um, you know what I mean, though? Like, Yeah, um, certainly not in the same sense of like... I think there's, you know, Florence the Machine recorded a song for this. I was disappointed, I'm going to say it. I was disappointed that we didn't get a proper rendition from an actor in the film 
of the Cruella de Vil song. We get it at the end in the in the post, you know, in the, in the credits. I want. I just you know where want... it would have been great, by the way. It would have been great if somebody who worked for the Baroness was just singing it to themselves in an office they thought was empty, and the Baroness was like, "Have them killed." Well, well have well, the it... Rolling Stones killed. <laughs> but sir, do as I say. <laughs> but but there, but there is a bit in the movie when um, Cruella is like pitching herself as this fashion icon, and she's turning up at the Baroness's events, and she's I. She's, fucking love this guerrilla fashion stuff that's going on it's wonderful it's, isn't it it's actually i think better done than either of the heists that we get in this movie i think it's more fun the one where she get she rolls out of the back of a rubbish truck and, and like her dress stands is, up and there's yeah. and it's just and it's like and she just gives a look and then drives away and he's always been back like what <laughs> everyone everyone's taking photos and putting it on instagram i mean they're not putting it on instagram but you know what i mean like they're, they're putting all, it on whatever the 1960s version of instagram Polaroids, I don't know. <laughs> but, but they're doing all this but i think that's the point where i would have i would have loved for there to be some like you know like viral song basically you know like Carilla like in, Carilla in, the, in the 2001 spider-man movie sam there's a busker on the street singing the Spider-Man song. Yeah. Spider-Man, Spider-Man. And yeah, with ding, I do ding, get what you ding, mean. Ding, Something ding, like ding. that. It's like, like a really a crappy version. Cash register it. going like uh, you know, like cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. Because it's such a, it's I just anyway, that's a small point, but there we go. It's catchy and I've also been singing it in my head all day and I haven't seen You should listen, you should go and listen to it because it's a brilliant I haven't seen the film Sam since the 90s. I swear to god. And it's like it's amazing how you know that can just come back as it's a great. memory. It's really good. Um, do you want to talk about the heists, perhaps, in any detail? I'm not like you know. Well, well yeah, we like a good three. heist, don't we? Let's let's dig into that for a minute, and then we can then we can maybe get. Well, to I want to the... talk about the first one actually, because there's a lot of nonsense going on. <laughs> but um, go the security cameras, and I'm not quite sure when it's supposed to be set that there's a security camera. Yeah, you'd have yeah in the sixties, you'd have in the like 60s? basic. I think so. We had TV, didn't we? In the fifties, we had TV, so closed circuit. It's not going anywhere. It's just within. All yeah. right, fair enough. Move on. Um, sorry, um, but this is where we get the. Cruella I have made re- my judgment. <laughs> the Cruella, I, I, and I accept it. The Cruella reveal, which is I think like a another wonderful piece of cinematography, where she's wearing this kind of like white veil thing and the you know um with this established the baroness is like this incredibly vain and basically she gets she knocks over throws over this uh stack of champagne which i've never understood but anyway she throws over this like fucking person <laughs> fucking tool. rich people king rich people if you drink champagne out of one of those <laughs> uh, drink... marie, marie antoinette breast glasses if you drink cunt. champagne in a from a pyramid fuck you <laughs> Exactly. It was like, drinking from pyramid-shaped towers of glasses is just a very bourgeois thing to do. Um, <laughs> but she like sets fire to the outer dress, and this is kind of like I love the I love the idea that actually the Cruella de Vil is this kind of like fashion genius, um, and she sets fire to the dress, and it burns up, and she's wearing this bright red gown with the hair, and like. It's very arresting. It's obviously shot in such a way, but like it's very arresting as a piece of, um, you know, you can imagine this being a stage trick. And obviously, it's the, the way it's filmed is different. It's probably a composite shot, 
but like it's just fantastic and the mm. way this dress just evaporates and there's something else underneath yeah uh, but but, th- but this heist where they're trying to steal the necklace from the vault is ends up being the total failure doesn't it because the vault the uh the the, the, necklace, wearing the necklace which is a total MacGuffin, isn't in the vault she's wearing it as you say the baroness is wearing it so we get to see them fail as well which i think is kind of fun and they do get it in the end I, but yeah they grab it and they also get the dogs but it's she a, gra- no they get the dogs later because the dogs eat it right yeah which is again i'm sure there's a trope get on tv tropes listeners i'm sure there's a trope for dog eats thing we need and we have yes. to sieve through dog shit uh, the other one that springs there gone in 60 seconds they do it as well uh, at least in this movie they've got a fucking metal detector and he's like <laughs> nope there's no there's nothing in that whereas in gone in 60 seconds they were just digging around i'm doing hand actions but just digging around in that dog shit <laughs> Uh, um, just flicking it everywhere, trying to find, trying to find it. But yeah, they are fallible, and like a lot of their plans don't really come to what they should come to. Like this, like you said, Sam, this first heist, the other to the 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 Horace and Jasper, what they're doing is mostly irrelevant to what what actually happens, um, which is which is nice in some ways, you know. Yeah, and then we get in terms of the costumes, we get to see Corella dressing up in this faux Dalmatian fur. Um, this coat that she's made, and 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 you know the Baroness thinks she's killed her dogs. We think we think she's killed the dogs. We at do. This point. Yeah. You know, but it's we, not until but, later on. But she hasn't. Although, what happens to the dogs in the end? Because I was confused by this. Because there's two so dogs that get here, delivered Sam. Follow by. Me here because I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna draw out the dog genealogy of 101 Dalmatians. Okay, here we go. Here we go. I'm taking notes. So the, there are three dogs, right? I can only remember the name of one of them. One of them was called Genghis. It's right, three. three. At the end of the movie, Genghis is pregnant because Hor- Horace says Genghis has gotten fat. Good and fat, yeah. So they've moved into the house, the mansion, and they've got the three Dalmatians. Genghis gives birth to puppies, and Cruella sends Roger and her friend from the paper a puppy each, and they are the two people who get together in the 101 Dalmatians movie, and then Pongo and whatever the other dog is called, they then have all the dogs. So Genghis and the, and presumably one of the other Dalmatians, unnamed or perhaps named, they are the grandparents of all the dogs from 101 Dalmatians. <laughs> Did it. Family tree. Did it. But what happens to, so, what so happens to Genghis? So, inbred as fuck. But also Dalmatians are inbred as fuck, so that's fine. Yeah. What happens to Genghis? So do they, do, what happens to the evil dogs? Do they get killed? Makes a coat? I don't know. I don't know. No, I don't oh, think don't, so. don't they go off the cliff with the Baroness? No, they're running around the house at the end. The evil dogs? In... Yeah. All right, I don't remember. Like, they bond with Horace because they like the football. Like <laughs> oh, right. Oh, so yes. Like, yeah. So they... So Disney doesn't kill the dogs in this uh, this occasion. No, right. because they forget that the movie was about killing dogs. Like this this movie, <laughs> in my mind, has to be like a like an alternate reality. This movie has to be like a you know inspired by. But don't worry, kids. Cruella doesn't go on to want to kill all these dogs. This character that you like doesn't go on to want to murder a hundred dogs to make a single coat. Yeah, well, let's let's Which hold that. even even by Victorian standards is quite a lot of dead dogs for one coat. It's quite evil. Let's hold that for a minute because we can get into the end. Of the, we can get into where this maybe falls apart a little bit. But let's talk about the reveal um, that the Baron, the Baroness, is the, is is Corella's mother, and kind of the plot of 
the rest of the movie is how she's going to kill her mother. Frame like, her basically. for murder. No, she's going to frame her for murder. Um, oh, frame her for murder. That's um, it. That's it. Yeah, and we kind of get like all of this is um, because uh, the Baroness, so Cruella Mark II, uh, sets fire to Cruella's house with a flat with Cruella in it to murder her and frame her friends for murder. Um, again, because our characters couldn't do that unless somebody else had already tried to do it, you know, because she's more evil. <laughs> Retribution um, only. Yeah. And this is where we get Mark Strong's character. And I do like Mark Strong as an actor. However, he quite frequently gets put in these, like, Jeeves roles where he's not really doing anything. He's just making tea. He and, just like, kind of sits around a little bit to the end, doesn't he? Uh, he's just mm. exposition. He's there to, like, give her the birth certificate. Yeah. And it's like, actually, maybe you could have written this character out. And had that reveal be something else, you know? She finds she finds the birth certificate, or she finds notes in the vault, and and, Ho- and uh, Horace grabs them, you know, by just oh, quickly just grab those instead, and, and yeah. then she ends yeah. up reading them eventually, or something like that. I know I, this is where I think you could remove some, uh, um, some, some, you know, maybe edit this back a little bit, and you'd still. And also, get to this the, movie's over two hours long. You could afford to cut twenty minutes. You really could. Well, even ten minutes would, I think. Also, but but more importantly, that character really doesn't get developed, and you kind of he's he's a bad guy. Like we don't really get that redemptive arc for him. We just get bad guy, bad guy, bad guy. Whoop! Now he's well, now I mean, he's he's trying to, to like. To be fair, Sam, what's he guilty of? Not murdering a baby. He's guilty of like facilitating this this crazy baroness who's just like marching around doing horrible. Yeah, shit how all dare the time. he work for this megalomaniac? How dare? Imagine someone working for a megalomaniac for um, economic reasons, Sam. Uh, I mean, yeah, but Jeff Bezos is an arsehole, Dave. What are you saying? I agree. That's right. I'm but saying, I'd... Sam, it, for the right price, you would buttle for him. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, 100%. <laughs> Amazon Pierce. I'm not um, sure he's winning in that situation because I don't imagine he'd make a fantastic butler. <laughs> uh, um, no, probably not. Probably not. But if he ever I mean, wants a personal want podcasting spoons, network uh, for himself only, then probably go elsewhere. But we'll take your money, mate. <laughs> we so, don't come so, cheap. So yeah, it does. It does kind of. It does kind of. And then yeah, Baroness gets framed, and and, and we we kind of move on from there. Um, and everything's happy, and the dogs are all happy now, and it's all good. Now let's get to the meat. <laughs> Sam thinks because that's what I've told him in the last five. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm very tired. Let's get to the meat of this. Let's get to the dog food and let's just really just put our faces right into the dog food and just really just enjoy it and savour it. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea what you're going to say here. <laughs> I'm not sure you do. Set up. Set up. Set up. We, we get to see at the end of this film that Corella delivers two dogs. She delivers Pongo and... We've got to get the name of the dog. We're not just... a P, I think. Pongo and look at our male daddies. We know that we know that we know the male. <laughs> we know dog the male thing. dog, of course. We're, we're such sexists, such misogynists. Pongo and Purdy, um, and so this is this is this is weird. Or oh, Pongo and Perdita, sorry. This is weird in that um, Roger's got this dog. Anita's got this dog. And these are the characters from 101 Dalmatians. These are the characters that we know that meet in the park and the dog's twirling around them and it's all lovely and then they have loads of babies and blah, blah, blah. Corella's setting this up. 
she knows them already anita darling which is very funny very funny that they have that throughout the film you know uh, from when they're little kids and then what happens she is gonna basically try and steal these two dogs she dropped off at her friend's house she's gonna try and steal them and turn them into a coat no, she's not stealing them sam she's stealing the, the puppies. no the, the puppies yeah the puppies so what's going on here because they make that connection really clear with the movie and i think that it kind of suggests you know as, as, a, as a prequel almost and what i wanted was like a spiritual successor type thing you know i wanted it to yeah. be like a very vague oh and then or, or like an alternate universe you know rather than my god so this emma stone character that we love and there is going to be a sequel that's in production is she gonna try and is she is she gonna do it? Is she gonna do what we've been talking about this entire life? Is well, that what Corella 2 is gonna ki- be? It kind of lends itself to the maybe the what the biggest flaw of this movie is is the inconsistency of Cruella's character. Um and obviously there's a dichotomy of Estella versus Cruella. Um we kind of get that explained to us a bit in the, the opening bit where she says, you know, Sometimes Cruella comes out and it's like when she's beating the other kid up, when she's vandalising stuff, when she's stealing, like, that's Cruella, it's not Estella. And, like, it's interesting, it's interesting, but, like, later on, she becomes Cruella, she becomes incredibly dismissive and rude to her best mates, her family, basically, um, and they're, you know, noticeably upset with it. And it's basically like a, that's all well and good, and in the confines of this movie, I think it works okay, but it's then from, how do you get from that where... These aren't people who work, you know, slack, slack people who work for her. These are her, for all intents and purposes, her family, her ersatz family. How do we get from that and her giving away these puppies and her having dethroned the Queen of Evil for all intents and purposes? How do we get from all of that where this character has learned a lesson and is certainly a softer Cruella than we know from the movie and the original story? How the fuck do we get from that to I'm going to steal all of these puppies and make a coat. Like, it just... Also, also... See my best, see my best. <laughs> also, also, do you want a coat made of 101 Dalmatians and you're as rich as Cruella, you don't need to fucking steal them. You can just buy 100 Dalmatians, do what you like, or just buy two Dalmatians yeah. and just wait a bit, you know? Do, read them. Do you know like, why, though? It, it, just, it doesn't quite get there for me in terms of, like connecting the two not that i think they need to connect the two but this movie feels like it needs to connect the two it does doesn't it and this is where maybe the script i think or or the screenplay really falls apart in terms of um like pick a lane pick a lane that you're going in and 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 you know i thought it was fun to have anita darling and roger in as like characters and i kind of i twigged that early on with anita and then eventually because i'm slow figured out that that's that roger was there (laughs) Deeply, um, deeply stupid. Yes, we yeah. covered that. <laughs> so, so that's fun, and that's like a nice little reference to to the original book and film and all this stuff. Um, but even the Glenn Close Corella Deville is m- maniacally evil, as evil as it gets. Like she is top draw, and obviously the one, the the, the performance of the film as well is totally crazy. So, like it's, I think it's a really interesting attempt to connect. The, to, to create an origin story and, and to connect those characters the characters but what I didn't want and what I'm confused by and what I'm 
kind of like hoping that they really oh sorry i'm kind of thinking they have to go for in the second film is they have to go for her turning into the actual corella that we see on the I screen can't because see that being a fun movie sam i just can't see that being i know a movie I, would want I know to but watch. what else do you do literally what else do you do we've seen the origin story we've seen her being a bit evil what else is there for us left other than completely so discarding the character doing more heists and probably killing Sharpening small animals knives. for fun as well. <laughs> <laughs> because, because she's going to... Do you know why she wants Dalmatian pups? Because Dalmatians, when they're grown, don't have soft fur. So, so what are we going to do here? Because this is what I think... You know, I, I don't know what they're going to do. It's, a, it's only <sighs> it's the early real, stages. But. It's a, I hope, I hope, Sam. And, I, and kind of the, why I enjoyed this movie is like, let's just... It's fine. Let's just have this be a reboot, you know, and that's okay. Like, let's make you've made this. You've made this Emma Stone character, Cruella, who is a an interesting, like, likable and fun character who isn't murdering a bunch of puppies uh, for fashion. And like, maybe let's just carry on with that. Maybe let's like you've had your nods to the original. This can exist separate to that. It doesn't need to lead into like. She's gonna murder a bunch of puppies. I, I just don't ever want to confront that in this movie, you know. Like it's just too it's too dark for this kind of light-hearted fun movie <laughs> where ultimately, apart from the mother, nobody dies. Yeah. You know, the Baroness she goes to it. prison. She deserved it, so it's fine. Horace and Jasper, it. Horace and Jasper are gonna be the ones who to fu- who are who are gonna do it. These lovely, likable men who are so kind and look. They bought. Oh, they got her a job at a, the store she wanted. Oh, it's lovely. Nope, they're going to be ones grabbing puppies and putting them in bags. You know, like sell that, sell that. I don't think they can. It's tricky, and I I think what they're going to have to do is make this sequel and then be like, we just can't acknowledge, just can't acknowledge that. Um, But a fun movie. Um, Maybe. Is there anything you didn't like about this movie? Specifically, we haven't already mentioned Sam. Anything that really like. You thought they could have done better, or you thought didn't need to be here, apart from obviously any sort of reference to the original movie. Yeah, well, yeah, apart from that stuff, I, you know, you know what? Not really, like not really. I think generally, I think generally, I didn't, I didn't know what. As I said at the beginning, I didn't know what to expect by this from this, and I, I also didn't, in the minute by minute scenes, did not know where they were going with it, and I think I was, I think I really enjoyed that. I think it's not often that you go into a film just having no clue what 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 they're going to bring to the table, and um, you know I think maybe maybe there's some there's elements of the script that are a little bit busy. There's there's things that you could certainly in the latter half of the movie you could really get rid of just to to tighten things up. You know we've we've talked about that. So I do, I, I I like the pres- I like what's presented to me. You know, I like, I like the film as is, and I think that if you get rid of the, the 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 wider thought, there's a lot to like here. There's a lot to really love, and just in terms of what it looks like. Now, Ross, our colleague who's who's not here today, he he Her hated this, hated this, and I and I, I really would we should maybe have, a, you know, a discussion with him about this because I'd love to see his perspective. I think. I, you know, obviously, I'm not sure Ross will listen to this, but um, I think I think the reason Ross hates this movie is I think Ross is offended that they made this movie. <laughs> fair. And to be like, fair, 
I from what it. he said about it, and it's and it's fine to like or not like a movie, and it's fine to be offended that they made this this movie. Is a like we talked about. It's a really bizarre choice of a movie to make. Um, so like I can kind of understand that, but as a movie, if you took, you know, if you t- if you change the name of Cruella and like took um, that scene at the end where they give the downloads to Anita and Roger. Like, this could just be a movie about yeah. a heist movie. And that's its strength, I think, of, like, it's got all the beats it needs to be a self-contained movie. Um, and, like, where it falls down is where you think about the sort of, like, the wider... Which I think is what universe. Ross said. It's just Corella slapped onto and it, you know. If you can't get past that, then I get that. But Ross was also saying that he didn't like the music because, what did he say... Um, oh, it's playing on your nostalgia. I'm like, yeah, what our, our nostalgia for the late 1960s was. <laughs> yeah, that's um, Which I just baffled yeah. me. But, um, you know, we enjoy different movies in different ways. Uh, I would say this movie is a bit flabby. Um, there's certainly some scenes that are... Because I've seen this twice now. Um, well, on second view, I, I was going to ask, like, watched it how did it compare? Podcast, yeah. When I watched it the first time, Sam, I came away thinking, you know... What a four out of five movie for me. Like a really surprisingly good, very entertaining, once sumptuous to look at, the production sumptuous. design of this movie. I don't think we've talked about enough. I think it's phenomenal. Um, especially mm-hmm. the kind of like the punk gorilla fashion that Corella's doing. Yeah, I think is like yeah. absolutely um, to a T. It's in brilliant, isn't it? you know, history and, and, and fashion and things like that. Not that I'm an expert at all, but I think it hits all the beats it needs to hit for idiots like us to enjoy it. Um, but like I said, it is a bit flabby. And I also think maybe that Cruella's attitude towards Horace and Jasper and the turn at the end where she's like, oh, I love you both really, is just a bit much. And maybe like the characterization of Cruella is maybe hampered too much by the fact that they're trying to ape this character from the Dalmatians movie, where actually maybe let's make her a little bit less maniacal when she's like full Cruella and, you know, or maybe just a touch more pleasant to her friends. You can have her be maniacal in front of Anita or whoever else. That's fine. But like at home with Horace and Jasper, maybe just be just a touch She more becomes human. that character, doesn't she? Yeah. But then she, I... they read it back for the end of the movie, but not really because she's still acting like that. But it's yeah. like, well, why are they now putting up with it? And again... Maybe that's just kind of like a th- one thread that you don't want to pull on, but certainly on second viewing, that's what struck me is that it's some of the scenes are a bit long. The movie itself is very long um, for a Disney movie, and like that one sort of like through line with Horace and Jasper, they maybe don't they don't what, satisfactorily bring that to a conclusion. I think there's a I thread. I wonder if that would be there. part of the second movie is her like having to come step back away from the maniacal character that she becomes or she is going to literally start skinning puppies like <laughs> maybe that's i don't want to know if i want to see the live action emma stone skinning puppies i don't yeah. think anyone's career can bounce back from that like she's just going for it. she's just is that going for it. the sound skinning a puppy makes <laughs> i skin believe a rabbit it once uh and there's a popping sound as the skin separates from, oh, lovely. The, from the animal. So, <laughs> lovely, Davis. So, uh, just, a, just, just a heads up for Disney execs: the foley will not need to be what Sam suggested. Right here, officer. Yep. This guy right here. <laughs> he just said it on a podcast. Uh, yeah, I, I've skill. I've skinned 102 Dalmatians, so actually I'm much better than Cruella, who didn't yeah. manage to skin any Dalmatians. Right, you got the Loser. sequel there. 
Excellent. Uh, there we go. I think I think we've um, I think we've skinned the the dead puppy that is this movie. If anyone's at all nauseous about puppy murder and or skinning, I feel like they've already turned this God off. Damn it. <laughs> Uh, this has been this has been good, and, and again, I, I I enjoyed this. This is a fun film. It's nice I to be surprised. Disney, I hope Disney makes more movies like this. Do you remember Solo, the Star Wars movie? We did a commentary on it. In fact, we did, and a great, like, really not great film. A lot in common with fun. This. Heck of a, a lot, lot in fun. common with this. Of like, especially because it's a heist movie. Like, it's a movie in a universe, but it's not necessarily like the core of it is a heist movie, and the yeah. core of this is a heist movie. And I'm yeah. sure you could do this with other. Uh, other genres but like the core of it is to have a movie i should say it's occurred to me before we go apparently the sequel i was reading is going to be like a godfather 2-esque movie i don't know if you remember the godfather 2 but it's kind of like the so it's going to be cruella setting up a crime family basically (laughs) so i don't know what um, that means (laughs) I don't know what. Well, you haven't seen the movie, so well, it's fine. I haven't seen Um, Godfather two, but I don't know what that means in terms of like anyway. But like the core to making a good movie in any genre is kind of like make a movie first, and then you know how do you fit that into the confines of the universe, like the MCU movies. Like, let's make a fun X, Y, or Z movie. Let's make a heist movie. Let's make if. If we, as an audience, ever watched anything new or original, and that was not based on a previous IP that we are comfortable with, maybe we'll get to explore that idea. But because we're not, because we're just completely just give us nostalgia, that's all we want, then we are <laughs> that we are going to sit and watch Corella one, two, three, up to Fast and Furious nine, or whatever the hell we're on, uh, like. You know the the dogs that we are. Cruella nine, two skinned, two puppies. <laughs> uh, yeah, as long as we keep eating it up, the industry isn't going to change. Um, no. But it's either that Sam or we watch stuff like Nomadland every week, and I just don't think I could cope with the capitalist outrage. Um, no, I managed. So... Yeah, um, we haven't mentioned anything anti-capitalist on this episode until now. Welcome to I our podcast. Know. I don't Didn't know. we talk about Oliver Twist and stealing? And I'm sure yeah, we did. Maybe. Um, maybe. But anyway, anyway, Krella is done oh, we did in the back. We, we, did, we, talked about, we talked about the French Revolution. Uh, <laughs> oh, well. Yes, there it so, is. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> we absolutely did. Anyway, we'll be back next week. Um, I believe I believe um, Sam is MIA next week uh, because I think he'll be skinning a lot of puppies for Krella. <laughs> um, but... Uh, Ross will be back in the building and I'm sure we will find something, uh, something yes I, I am away please um, god don't let him talk me into watching The Green Mile I cannot I, don't I do cannot it. don't do it watch I, I am away next death row film no I am away next week I'll be uh, taking down the bourgeoisie so eat the rich <laughs>